afternoon and good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for stopping back in and checking out episode two here at the Drunken Mascot Raptors podcast. Once again, my name is Pete of the Not So North here in beautiful, depressing winter hellscape that is Albany, New York. Coming to you to talk a little bit of Toronto Raptors today. So had so much fun with that first one. Just wanted to jump right back in here and bring out a second episode. So hey, thanks again, everybody, for joining me. As always, if you love the Raptors as much as I do, and you dig anything you're hearing here, definitely help us out. Hit that subscribe, throw me a like. Just getting started, so it definitely means a ton to try and get this off the ground a little bit. Um, also, if you want to do a little bit of light reading, talk some Raptors, also talk a lot more general sports stuff, NFL, NBA, all kinds of good stuff, uh, head over check out the blog at drunkenmascot.com. Definitely appreciate that. Um, but here on the podcast, it's all Raptors all the time. 96% of the time we talk Raptors every time. So, hey, let's grab a cold one, jump right in, talk some Raptors. Two main things that I want to talk about today. First, we'll do a little bit of a recap of that shit show of a game last night against the Minnesota Timberwolves. It was interesting. I saw a lot of people calling it boring. I didn't think it was boring. I thought it was a mess, which sometimes that's my favorite kind of game to watch. Uh, so we'll touch on that. And second, we're going to talk a little bit of Raptors history. It's one of my favorite Raptors debates. I'm sure you've probably all seen these conversations before um, on other platforms, but I really want to talk about uh, overall ranking of the top 10 greatest Toronto Raptors of all time. So we'll start at 10, work our way down, go through a whole list of some epic legends. Um, but first up, like I said, let's let's talk about that game last night. Um, game is a strong term. That was <laughs> That was a wild one. But, hey, we pulled it off. Raptors hang in there, win 86-81. Some pretty wild excitement, but some pretty cool highlights right off the rip in that one. I was happy to see Chris Boucher got the start, first start of the season. Finally, kid earned it. Like we talked about in the last pod, his, his per 36-minute stats especially are wild, over 20 points, over three blocks a game. Um, Bembry got the start, stuck in there. Bembry is a fun kid to watch. The kid can fly. Had a couple beautiful dunks, sky for a couple boards. You know, had a few mistakes, but he's fun. He's fun to watch. I think he's kind of a sleeper on this young core. It'll be fun to watch him moving forward. Norm Powell stayed a starter once again. Phenomenal call by Nick Nurse and company. I was thrilled to see that in the first pod. That was one of my biggest, biggest sticking points is I want to see Norm stay a starter because we all know he's a completely different player when he starts versus when he comes off the bench. Um, Fred Van Vliet, freaking warrior as always. We'll never forget that black eye in the playoffs a couple years back. Today he was bleeding from the mouth inside the first quarter. Guy always takes a beating. Um, on the Minnesota side, had Ricky Rubio in there. He's fun to watch. The dude's a floor general. Um, still can't shoot for shit. <laughs> still not an athletic dude. The Raptors pretty much let him do whatever the heck he wanted out there, and he still only racked up seven points four dimes and had some ugly turnovers. He dribbled off his foot. Think flew out of bounds. That was pretty ugly. These guys definitely will be looking forward to getting D'Angelo Russell back. Um, but hey, man, at what point? Obviously, this isn't a Timberwolves podcast. I'm not going to dig too deep into these guys. But at what point do they have to take a step back and be like, "What the hell are we doing here?" I mean, Carl Anthony Towns. He's in his sixth season now, and the Wolves are still the worst freaking team in the NBA. They are wasting this guy's prime. You know, pretty much everybody agrees he's one of the top post players in the league. And not totally unlike what they did with Kevin Garnett back in the day and even running back before that, these guys just cannot freaking get out of their own way. So just a little tangent on the Timberwolves. But looking back at the Raptors again, you know, Norm Powell once again absolutely crushed it. 
So a couple cool stats on Norm, actually. His true shooting percentage coming into the game last night for February was at 69%. When you're taking his threes, his free throws, and his field goals into account, 69%, which second league to guess who right now? Just Steph Curry, who's at 73%. So some good company for Norm. He had 22 points in the first half. Sweet Lord, he is good when they have that guy start. Finished with 31 points. He was definitely gets the game ball and the MVP on this one in this slugfest. It seemed like about the only guys on either team that could score was Norm and Carl Anthony Towns for a while there. Pascal Siakam looked quiet, you know, in the box score. He just had 10 points. But on the defensive end, he was an absolute monster. The guy was blocking three-pointers, blocking dunks, blocking layups. It seemed like he was flying out of nowhere. Unbelievable impact on the defensive end for Pascal. So... You know, again, despite quiet numbers, just 10 points, he probably had the second biggest impact on the game, I would say, after Norm Powell for Toronto. So kudos to Pascal. Then we flash forward all the way late in the fourth quarter. You know, Toronto built up that big lead in the first half. They were up by 19 at one point. The Timberwolves came fighting back. The Raptors' offense absolutely collapsed. I think they finished the game in the low 30s for field goal percentage after a pretty hot start, which is pretty wild. Um, after all that, who comes up clutch? Mr. Controversy, Mr. Terrence Davis, which I saw a lot of mixed reactions on Twitter. There's a lot of hate for that guy, you know, understandably so, with domestic violence charges, you know, also involving a child. That's some some heavy, heavy stuff. Earlier in the day, the New York District Attorney had dropped, the, dropped five out of the seven charges on him. I think two of the charges are still open i'm not sure how it works but pending dismissal basically based on a year of good behavior so you know positive for terrence you could tell he had a weight off his back he came out pretty one of his better games of the season had 11 points like we're talking about late in the fourth quarter hit that clutch three-pointer which really started sealing it and then hit some clutch free throws after that which ended up putting the game out of the reach of uh, the timberwolves and really giving the raptors the win so you know, obviously phenomenal, exciting moment for Terrence. Uh, but I saw I saw one one post on Twitter with somebody who was absolutely not pleased um, with Mr. Terrence Davis, given his legal troubles right now. Said essentially, you know, super happy for the win, but at what cost? Because a lot of people not pleased to see Terrence Davis still playing. Um, so I'm not going to comment really specifically on the legal situation. Obviously, I don't know a ton about it. I don't know the details. Um, obviously, extremely, extremely disappointed in Terrence Davis when that all came out. And most importantly, you know, extremely concerned, obviously, for the alleged victim and the, the child who was involved in the situation. So, so obviously, you know, prayers are with all those parties involved. Um, but looks like legally Terrence Davis is free and clear right now. So... You could definitely tell, like I said, there seemed like there was a weight lifted off his shoulders, and goddamn, he came in clutch at the end. So, definitely at least happy with the finish. As a Raptors fan, gotta be happy with the finish. And obviously, this isn't the type of heavy topic I'm generally going to talk about in this podcast, but thought it was worth at least bringing up because it is a pretty big deal behind the scenes. On a lighter note, gotta say welcome back to the absolute champ of champs, Robert Ory's adopted championship ring collecting son. Um, the legend, the Birdman, three-time champ, Pat McCaw made his triumphant return. Just played out seven minutes, dished out an assist. That was about the extent of his stats. Um, of course, his biggest value always on the defensive end. He's a very athletic dude, you know, lanky dude. Always, always makes an impact on the defensive end. But most importantly, having him back means the Raptors are pretty much guaranteed to win the title this year. So welcome back, Pat McCaw. Exciting times. Um, 
back to a darker note this is probably the one that really took over twitter <laughs> of everything that happened uh in that game this is probably the one that got the most coverage which is very very unfortunate for this guy involved y'all know what i'm talking about um ironic that this hurts me especially since probably my favorite basketball moment of all time was you know almost 20 years ago when vince carter ended frederick vice's career in the olympics with probably the most disrespectful most teabagging jam of all time in the olympics um never really saw frederick vice again I, I saw a picture i think he's running a convenience store in france or something don't quote me on that but obviously his nba career never took off after that so obviously that's one of my favorite plays of all time ridiculous dunk by the legendary champion and we shift right over to one of my least favorite plays of all time now because anthony edwards really just pulled out a thanos snap on yuda watanabe's career absolutely disrespectful slam dunk one of the most thunderous dunks of the year Edwards one-handed, slammed over and through Yuta. They both ended up down on the ground. They got some freeze frames of Yuta's face as he was just getting just completely demolished off the planet. Probably one of the most brutal posterizations of all time. So thoughts and prayers with Yuta. Seems like a great guy, hard worker. Hopefully he had a couple cocktails last night and somebody can help him rebuild his confidence after that. But hell, kudos to young Anthony Edwards for cementing himself as one of, if not the top new dunker in the league, because that was absolutely freaking ridiculous. So a couple other takeaways from the game, though. Uh, make that 16-0 and that the Toronto Raptors are without their fearless leader, Kyle Lowry, now, going back to 2019, which is absolutely insane. I don't, you know, we talked about that a lot in the first podcast, kind of led into some potential transactions that I would strongly consider, you know, if I was a member of this Raptors management team um, that may or may not involve moving Kyle Lowry because it seems like this team can operate pretty effectively without him. I'm not going to get super back into that. If you want to check that out, check out episode one. Um, but glad to see Masai took my advice, started Norman Boucher. Like we said, good stuff. I think we ended up missing Boucher's energy off the bench, unfortunately, which obviously with that horrible stretch we had in the middle quarters there that almost cost us the game. Um, Something we'll have to consider. Aaron Baines ended up pulling down nine boards. Generally stayed out of the way, so we'll call that a W for Mr. Baines. But hey, most importantly, we are back to 500. We are just a half game behind Indiana for fifth place in the Eastern Conference. After a two and eight start, we're 13 and seven since. Getting back to this point, this is the beginning. This is it. Let's call everything that happened before right now the preseason, and let's get it rolling towards the playoffs. Um, for anybody who checked out episode one, you know, is there really anything that changed for me after watching this game? No. I mean, the game was ugly. We're still winning without Kyle Lowry. I still strongly urge Masai, Bobby, the powers that be, to at least put take a look at uh, what they could possibly get back from Mr. Lowry, put some pressure on Pat Riley to maybe swap some pieces up from Miami. Miami obviously needs to make some moves too, so I think there could be a win-win there. Um, you know, I threw out that possible deal for Hero and Olenek. Still want to see it considered. We'll see. All those things aside, though, I'm happy. Norm proved us all right that he deserves that starting gig. Absolutely crushed it. Pulled off the win again without Kyle, without OG. We're back to 500. So let's go, Raptors Nation. Doesn't get much better than that. That's some good, 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 good shit right there. Um, so before we jump into our top 10 all-time Raptor countdown, I do just want to bring out one more kind of somber note today. There's more somber notes than I generally would want to have on my podcast. Um... But a lot of you guys probably know last week, former Raptors legend, one of the all-time greats, 
DeMar DeRozan lost his father. His father passed away last week. So, DeMar, Raptors Nation, will always love and support you, big guy. Much love, and we're all so, so sorry for your loss. You know, prayers out to DeMar DeRozan and his family. Everybody hop online, hop on Twitter, the gram, whatever social media you prefer. Why don't you send some love to Mars way? He'll always be always be a Raptor to most of us. One of the most loyal Raptors of all time. And obviously a sad, sad day for him and his family. So much love to DeMar. Um, with that, let's get back to business. So without any further ado, why don't we take a good look at our top 10 all-time Raptors list. Obviously these rankings, you know, they're highly subjective. If we did a ranking based purely on talent or based purely on statistics, regardless of a guy's tenure on the team, anything like that, these rankings would probably shift considerably. But with this list here, we're going to take all those things in, you know, into account combined. we got stats, influence, leadership, tenure, records, playoff success, community presence, all those factors we're going to try and count towards this um, to really get as accurate a list as we can here. Real all-encompassing rankings. So let's jump right in here, folks. Starting off at number 10, this is a guy that obviously if we were taking overall career and statistical achievement into account, this guy would really fly all the way up to the top three at a bare minimum. Um, however, Mr. Tracy McGrady, who spent three seasons in Toronto, was really an exciting young talent, but he really just left Raptors Nation wanting more, you know, wondering what could have been. Spent his first three years in Toronto before heading to Orlando and taking the big money. Um, but up to that point, he teamed up with his older cousin, Vince Carter, for a couple of the first great seasons in Raptors history. His best season with the team, he put up 15.4 points, over six boards, three dimes, a steal, and a couple of blocks, really playing the Scottie Pippen of Vince Carter's Michael Jordan on this Raptors squad, before taking the big money, like we said, getting that contract and heading down to Florida. The rest is history. You know, became one of the great offensive players of all time, one of the great scorers of all time. Never really had a ton of playoff success, unfortunately. They're in Orlando when he teamed up with Yao Ming in Houston. Had some great teams, but just could never really quite get over the hump. Um, but obviously, one of the biggest biggest fun things to think about as a Raptors fan is what could have happened if McGrady and Carter had stuck around and developed together and what that Raptors team could have looked like. Really could have been a dynasty. Unfortunately, it didn't work out really for either of those guys long term, but maybe one of these days I'll throw together a podcast We'll do some hypothetical dreaming about that. So at number 10, Mr. Tracy McGrady. So up next at number nine, we have a Raptors legend of at least the past half decade. Guy who we were all kind of heartbroken to see him move on in the offseason. Followed, uh, followed Mr. Leonard down to Southern California to join the Clippers. Obviously, we're talking about the great Serge Ibaka. Um, this is the first guy on the list who really played a major role in that championship run a couple years ago. When Serge came over in 2017, it was pretty widely believed that he was on the downhill slide in his career after having a couple rough seasons in Orlando. Really seemed like he was aging ahead of his time. You know, some people are even saying, do we even know how old this guy is? He looks like he's 50 years old out there. Pretty offensive stuff. Um, however, once he hit Toronto in that trade for Terrence Ross, he really rejuvenated his career and rejuvenated his reputation. The guy was pretty outstanding in his four-year stay here in Toronto. He wound up putting up some of his best statistical seasons, including over 14, over 15 points a game a couple years. Uh, during their championship season, he put up 15 points, eight boards, a couple of blocks a game. Um, you know, his shot blocking had really fallen off on Orlando, but came back just in time at a perfect time to help the Raptors get over the hump and win that title. Um, also helped out with some inconsistency from Marcus Gasol, who was aging 
even considerably faster than Serge Ibaka was, helped fill in the gaps. Uh, even when Gasol was the starter, he came off the bench and absolutely crushed it. So, again, losing him in the offseason, as I mentioned in the last episode, is probably the biggest mistake of the Masai Ujiri era, as far as I'm concerned. It wouldn't have cost a ton of money to keep this guy around. Really would have stabilized us in the middle, which obviously right now is the biggest problem um, that the Raptors have. And I think we would have seen a completely different start to the season if Serge Ibaka was still around. But I digress. And Mr. Serge Ibaka is number nine on the all-time Raptors great list. Next up at number eight, we have the first ever true star of the Toronto Raptors. He was the Raptors' first ever draft pick, had an incredible rookie season in which he won Rookie of the Year. Put up 19 points over nine assists a game that year, along with four boards, which for a guy who's only about three foot two, pretty amazing. Also, averaged about a steal and a half that year. Of course, we're talking about Mr. Five Foot Ten, Mr. Mighty Mouse, Damon Stoudemire. Okay, it was fun as hell to watch. Unfortunately, the rest of the roster was an absolute dumpster fire during his two-and-a-half-year run with the team um, before he ended up being traded to Portland along with Walt Williams, a couple other guys. He did have some success in Portland, some playoff success as their starting point guard. Um, also had one of the most epic arrests of all time <laughs> while a member of the Trailblazers. Some of you guys probably remember this. He was arrested by airport security at one point, trying to smuggle 1.5 pounds of marijuana through the airport wrapped in aluminum foil so obviously that's you know another reason why he's a legend but in this case we're talking about his you know him really being the first star the first big reason to go watch a toronto raptors game back in the mid 90s was the legend mighty mouse mr damon stoudemire in at number eight so moving on to lucky number seven we're going with a guy he's really the first person on this list who's a member of this future young core of the toronto raptors not quite as tiny human as Damon Stoudemire, but a pretty small dude in his own right. But the guy's got, you know, a heart the size of frickin' Mount Everest. He is a tough little bastard like we talked about. Seems like he's always got a black eye or a bloody lip or something when he's out there. We're talking about Mr. Fred Van Vliet, the man who got a vote for finals MVP a couple years ago when the Raptors won that title. Um, he probably has one of the greatest stories, if not the greatest story, of a Toronto Raptor and their rise to success undrafted guy everybody knows the story he bet on himself played his way into a starting role played his way into a big payday this year you know outstanding story you gotta love him gotta respect the hell out of him his game is well on its way to you know put him in the top five on the, on this list he's been with the team this is his fifth year um, damn near doubled his scoring every single year to the point where he's up over 20 points a game this year along with four boards he's always aggressive out there also dishing out about seven assists a game Really continuing to switch between the, the two-guard and the secondary point guard role on this team next to Kyle Lowry. Did receive a ton of all-star votes this year. Didn't end up getting there, but I believe he was top 10 in, uh, in all-star voting for backcourt, which is, which is pretty awesome. Much, much deserved. He's an amazing defender. We all saw that highlight against the Bucks last week in which he just stripped that you know, massive Giannis going up for that layup. Just took the ball right out of his hands. <laughs> that was definitely fun to watch. Hey, he's the future of this team's backcourt. He's going to be an all-star within the next year or two. And number seven, one of my personal favorites, Mr. Fred Van Vliet. So next up, we're going to stick with this young core. We got a number six. We're going to go with Fred's partner in crime, Mr. Pascal Siakam. You know, let's start with the fact that as great a player as he already is, he really just started playing ball at, I believe it was 15 or 16. Um, you know, born in Cameroon. Basketball was not his go-to sport until uh, later in life. 
Um, but fast forward a few years later, and he's playing the Scottie Pippen to Kawhi's Michael Jordan as the Raptors win their first ever title. He's really been the number one guy since Kawhi moved on. Signed that max deal, which is great. Um, great for him. Hasn't quite gotten up to that superstar level that he needs to um, and that the team really, really hopes he's going to become and that they invested in for him to become. But, hey, he had a great year last year. He was an all-star before he struggled in the bubble, leading to a lot of a lot of hate with his bubble you performance suck. that he just signed that max contract in the offseason. Um, the team needed more from him in the bubble. But, hey, he was far from the only guy that struggled in that bubble. So, personally, I'm not going to hold that against him. You know, he's one of just a small handful of all-stars in Raptors history. He's a reliable 20-point-per-game scorer, 30 points on a fairly regular basis. He's a top-notch defender. We just saw that in the game against the Timberwolves. And he's really a guy with unlimited potential. Like I said, dude's been freaking dribbling a basketball for barely a decade. So there's no doubt in my mind at the end of his career, as long as he sticks around, that he's going to be way, way up this list, you know, probably up in that top three position if he sticks around and keeps developing like he's been like he's been developing so far. So at number six, Mr. Pascal Siakam. At number five, got another big man on the list. So, you know, for at least another year or two, this guy's going to stay ahead of Siakam on the list, but I think uh, I think Pascal's going to be chasing him down within the next few years. But this guy was really the second star we had in Toronto, third if you're going to count Damon Stoudemire. But he was the guy that really kept hope alive after Vince Carter left Toronto. Of course, we're talking about Mr. Chris Bosh. He ended up keeping the Raptors, getting them back into that playoff contention year after year um, for a stretch in there. He had five all-star games as a Toronto Raptor. By his last season north of the border, he was good for 24 points a game, almost 11 boards a game, and he'd really he'd really become a superstar, um, the second real superstar in the franchise's history. Unfortunately, you know, after those couple really good years that ended up just being kind of a tryout <laughs> for him to end up joining the super team, with LeBron and D-Wade down in Miami, he ended up leaving Canada as a free agent to win a couple of titles, you know, way down south. But at the time, you know, that was probably the probably the second most heartbreaking moment in Raptors history, seeing Chris Bosh go out that way. But you got to respect him. You got to love him. He was a model model teammate, model employee, great representation of uh, what the Raptors are all about. Five-time All-Star, Mr. Chris Bosh, in a number five. It's up to number four. Got a guy we already talked about a little bit on this pod. Um, he's really, ironically, almost as responsible for the Raptors championship titles as anybody who was physically on the team at that time because, obviously, he was the trade piece that brought in the finals MVP that year, Mr. Kawhi Leonard. So, irony and jokes aside, you guys know who I'm talking about. DeMar DeRozan, probably the most loyal, most dedicated Toronto Raptor star you know, of all time. He was even more emotionally crushed than any of us were when he got traded to San Antonio. He'd been a four-time All-Star with the team up to that point. He teamed up with Kyle Lowry to really, you know, bring in a dawn, probably the greatest stretch of playoff success the Raptors had ever had. Not probably, definitely the greatest stretch of playoff success they'd ever had, uh, culminating that Eastern Conference Finals loss to LeBron James, in which they did take two games from the Cavs that year, but just wasn't enough. LeBron, per usual, snuffed the... DeRozan and Lowry led Raptors right out of the playoffs. It was a heartbreaking time, but hey, at that point, that was the most success this team had ever had. He kept the Raptors in annual contenders in the East. His best season, he put up over 27 points a game for this squad. He holds you know, more franchise records that you can shake a stick at. Uh, scoring, games played, minutes played, total field goals, attempted, um, free throws. 
he's probably about 65% of Raptors' records are still in DeMar DeRozan's hands, at least for the time being. If he'd won a ring in Canada, you know, he'd have a strong argument for that number one spot. But alas, he missed out and instead ended up being a trade piece that helped bring that championship to Toronto. But either way, we love you, DeMar. He's in at number four on this list. So appropriately, next up at number three, we got the guy who came in in that DeMar DeRozan trade and the guy who ultimately won that finals MVP and brought that first championship to Toronto. That is Mr. Kawhi Leonard. The man who made Raptors fans the happiest fan base in the world for a very brief time before making them the saddest fan base in the world <laughs> when he promptly abandoned us later that offseason to go down to the L.A. Clippers with, with Paul George. You know, I really have to believe that this is the sole case in NBA history where a guy who spent one season on a team really ranks anywhere near the top of their all-time great list, but unusual circumstance, and that's, that's what puts Kawhi up here. When you make the most of your one-year rental agreement with a squad, you know, hitting the greatest shot in team history with that just out-of-this-world, rimming in, rimming out, and eventually falling shot in Game 7 over Joel Embiid, bringing home the franchise's first championship, effectively ending the Warriors' dynasty in the process, just, you know, insane. He's really Kawhi Leonard, the dynasty killer. That one year, it's more than enough to get you up here. Um, if we're talking, you know, if we're talking impact in one single season, you know, statistically, uh, just overall success across the board. Kawhi's number one on this list, but you can't put a guy who only spent one year on a team as, a, as the greatest in franchise history, so that's why he's sitting here at number three. Um, I mean, the guy had no interest in being a Raptor that year. Didn't want to be there. We all pretty much knew he didn't want to be there, but he played his ass off, put up almost 27 points a game that year, seven boards, three dimes, a couple of steals. Lockdown defense. He was still one of the best defenders in the league, and hey, like we said, ended up winning that Finals MVP, even over Freddie Van Vliet, who stole that one vote from him. Um, but hey, he's probably the only guy on this list who, by the end of his run, is going to have an argument to be a top five, maybe top three player of all time by the time he's done. So, at number three, the myth, the legend, Kawhi Leonard. So next up at number two, we have the guy who is pretty much universally agreed to be the guy that had the number one biggest impact on basketball in Canada. Uh, this guy won Rookie of the Year after arriving in Toronto after a draft day trade for Anton Jameson. Made six all-star teams in <laughs> basically six and a half seasons in Toronto. He even made that all-star team when he ended up splitting the year with New Jersey. Of course, we're talking about Mr. Vince Carter, Vince Sanity, the myth, the legend. Like we said, the guy who ended Frederick Weiss's career, the guy who redefined what it meant to be a dunker, the guy who saved the slam dunk contest in the all-star breaks, the guy who traded 50-point games with Allen Iverson in one of the all-time great playoff series. Uh, in his best season, the guy put up 27.5 points per game. He was an absolute rock star, absolute superstar. He was the first guy who made Toronto even remotely a destination the players wanted to be at. He, he really just ex made basketball explode in Canada. You talk to young guys from Canada, Andrew Wiggins is of the world. They all got into basketball because of this man, Vince Carter. Um, you know, Despite the drama, the controversy, the allegations, the dogging it towards the end before he ultimately forced his way out and ended up going to the New Jersey Nets, the influence this guy had on you know, the city of Toronto, on basketball, on Canada, on a country, 
you know, obviously has to put him at the number two spot. Ultimately, you know, his last few seasons, like I said, controversial, a lot of drama. Didn't want to be there. Seven, all kinds of altercations, run-ins, arguments, disagreements with the management team. Did not want to be a Raptor anymore, and it showed. Really went from being, you know, the most popular man in that country to being probably the most hated player in the league for <laughs> Toronto Raptors fans for more than a decade um, before he finally, finally got his chance to come back and have that, had a really touching tribute, you know, 15 years later, you know, got a standing ovation. He was in tears, had an awesome video tribute. So in the end, it all worked out. Honestly, as a Raptors fan, I was always kind of hoping he would come back late in his career, you know, and have one more, one more good run with the team, help us out, help us get on a deep playoff run as a role player. Never happened. Ended up kind of taking on the role of a player coach with some young teams, especially down in Atlanta towards the end. Which, hey, that's respectful. He was a solid player till the end. He occasionally was still dunking into his 40s. Um, all kinds of records he set for his longevity. Nobody really saw that coming. Guy went from the most athletic youngster in the league to the oldest, you know, elder statesman in the league late in his career. Pretty wild transition, but... Can't tell you guys enough how much I love Vince Carter. Got got more jerseys for Vince Carter than I do for any other player in the world. So at number two, the legend Vince Carter, which brings us to the number one position. Obviously, if you can't guess who I'm about to talk about, you must not be a Raptors fan. Um, we're going with the guy. He is still the leader on this team. You know, arguably still the best player on this team at almost age 35 disregard the fact that I keep talking about how we should trade him because that <laughs> in no way reflects how I feel about this dude um but hey at number one we got our bulldog Kyle Lowry he's been the heart the soul the muscle of this team for the past decade he teamed up with DeMar DeRozan to usher in the most prosperous era of Raptors basketball ever at that time which is continuing to this day even without DeMar um, teamed up with Kawhi Leonard to win the team their first title in NBA history a couple years back. He's made six All-Star games as a Raptor. Now almost 35 years old. He got a bunch of votes this year. Didn't make the team, but still got quite a bit of votes. I think he was either top 10 or close to top 10 in votes for Eastern backcourt players. So he's still playing at a near All-Star level. Um, putting up almost 18 points, five boards, six times a game this year still. He's one of the toughest players ever, even to this day. He's just consistently one of the top guys, if not the top guy, at drawing charges. He takes contact. He is a tough, tough little man. Um, more than anything, more than the stats, it's his leadership. He, Again, like I said, he has been the guy who built the culture, built the mentality as a player on this team. All the young guys look up to him. All the young guys love him. You know, Pascal wouldn't be who he is. Fred wouldn't be who he is if they weren't playing with Kyle Lowry. He is, you know, the clutchest guy in the history of the Raptors. So clutch, so tough. Can't tell you enough how I respect this guy. And number one, the myth, the legend, Kyle Lowry. Can only hope, you know, he gets one more crack at it to bring home a second title in Toronto. I don't think it's going to happen. Like I said, if anything, I would not be surprised if he ends up on the move. I wouldn't even necessarily not support him being on the move for the right package like I've talked about, but doesn't change the fact he is the greatest Raptor of all time. So that's that. Thanks for sticking with me on that countdown. You know, a couple other names that I, I really had to think about that I think are worth mentioning. Some great some great memories with these guys. Terrence Ross, Mo Peterson, Jonas Valanciunas, Amir Johnson, Alvin Williams, Antonio Davis, OG Ananobi. All guys I thought about, but, you know, couldn't quite crack that top ten. Um, 
OG in particular, I definitely think he is going to end up being an all-time great if he sticks around. You know, he's in his fourth year now. He's essentially been the starting small forward since day one, you know, discounting Kawhi Leonard's one season with the team. Um, most of that season, OG was hurt anyway, but hey, he's another guy. He's improved consistently year over year, developed into a versatile, highly underrated star in the league. You know, he's becoming a great shooter. He's a career 37% shooter from three. He's a freak athlete. I think he's got a seven foot two wingspan. Um, you know, most importantly, he's developed into one of the best wing defenders in the league, right up there with his former big brother, Kawhi. Um, Hey, in that Thursday matchup with the Bucks, he allowed zero points to players he was guarding, you know, play to play. Zero points given up by OG Ananobi as a defender on a team against a team that has Giannis, has Chris Middleton, has some talent. So that is insane. Again, just shows he is one of, if not arguably, the best wing defender in the league right now. And he's a guy who's going to end up being an all-time great with this team. But he just doesn't have the tenure or the, you know, stretch of great seasons yet. This is really the first season where he's He's been putting up, you know, that close to 15 points a game stat, so you just can't justify getting him on the list just yet. Um, but, hey, in conclusion, thanks for sticking around with me. This is probably the longest podcast I'm ever going to do. <laughs> I think we've been rolling for over a half hour here. It's, it's You guys know it's easy to lose track of time when you're talking about something you love, especially my Toronto Raptors, our Toronto Raptors. Um, but thank you, Raptor Nation, for sticking with me. That's it for episode two of the Drunken Mascot Raptors pod. If you agree with the rankings we just talked about, if you hate them, if you think I'm an absolute idiot, please let me know in the comments. If you're down for some light reading, like we talked about, check out the blog over at drunkenmascot.com. Some more Raptors talk, some more diverse topics, NFL, NBA, some fun material. Check it out. Um, If you're into weird music, like we talked about, this background music here, it's all stuff that comes from the Trajan Black Project. You can check that on YouTube shitty music but it can be fun and trippy so check it out if you're bored if you're looking to get a little messed up and listen to some tunes um working on getting some collaborators on board in the future whether it be raptors fans fans of other teams who want to share some perspective on the league uh but hey again can't thank you guys enough for sticking with me on this one for checking out the podcast this is just episode two hopefully this is going to become a regular thing you know looking to post at least once a week so stick with me. You got topics you want to hear about? You can always always throw them in the comments. I'll try to cover that. But anyway, have a great day. Thanks for sticking with us. Much love, Raptors Nation.